I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. With me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. This week, we bring you the best of our talk radio radio show, uh, featuring Chidera Egaru, aka The Slumflower, who talks to us about all things being single, Valentine's Day, and body hair. And we will learn what it's like to be gay and growing up in the Caribbean. Now, our next guest has already revolutionised our thinking on one body issue with her campaign, hashtag Saggy Boobs Matter. And now she is taking on how we experience and manage our love lives and what we feel about our body hair. Welcome to the studio, Chidera Guru. Hello, lovely to have you. having me. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing, by the way, guys. Fancy, I know, isn't it? It's much jazzier than our last yeah. one. Last yeah. time, last yeah. one different. Yeah, yeah. yeah last yeah. time you didn't really want to touch anything, yeah. did you? It's <laughs> much right. cleaner now. No, this is <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to start by chatting about you've got two big things happening you've got the documentary on Channel 4 which is all about body hair which we're going to yeah. talk about can't wait uh, we're going to literally rip that hour apart and uh, also we're talking about how to get over a boy in we your are. book um, let's talk boys first because Valentine's Day is coming up mm. and um, I'm I might not be single this Valentine's Day. <laughs> Did you pause? Were you wondering whether you were going to say something? I was like, do I, have I, 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 I don't know. Do you have a date? I don't know. Yeah, um, she's got a date. Wait, has everyone here got a date? No. no. Well, I got a date with my puppy. Oh, <laughs> and that's the, the best date of And all. the girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but not, this is like the first time in 10 years that I've not, <laughs> not potentially, possibly, if it doesn't go wrong before then, uh, been single on Valentine's Day. Oh. Uh, so I'm really used to it. But your book is basically out there to help people that, aren't that good at being single is Mm -hmm. that right that's correct yeah what was the inspiration for it well i've been for in my short lifetime i'm 25 (laughs) i've been through quite a few boys and each boy that i've met and i've shared myself with has you know obviously taught me something about myself but more importantly i felt like i can't be the only person experiencing these weird feelings i can't be the only person making these patterns of decisions and choices because we're all in some way influenced by a culture especially in the 90s when it was all like rom-coms and chick flicks Mm -hmm. there's a particular pattern in the type of stories that we see a lot of them 
mainly prioritise a narrative of a guy who is like a struggling, creative, cute, good-looking musician who hasn't got much going for him. And then he comes across this really amazing, powerful career woman who has loads going for her and she's got an amazing, bright future ahead of her. And then she gets distracted by this <laughs> L word everyone calls love. And it all goes downhill for her from, from then on. But then the male author um, writes the story in a way that oh she's way happier with little to nothing with this guy who plays her the guitar once in a while when in reality we all know it's not practical we all know that but those are the narratives that are fed to us and so we grow up thinking that we just need to find something that somewhat looks like love and looks like romance even if it's not sustainable or practical or useful for us in the long run and so this book aims to encourage women to understand that you lose nothing by saying no to men most men are mediocre but also (laughs) the point is that if you put yourself first and make your happiness the center of everything dating will actually be fun and you'll actually come across a lot more men who want to contribute to your joy and who want to be able to say they know you so the key thing you said to me there or that you said there was uh the idea of romance and i think we've been sold romance as love versus actually thinking about what love means for us but can you go back to the patterns that you were talking about what were some of the patterns that you noticed that you uh, other than the sort of the rom-com that was sold what are the patterns that you noticed when you when you were going into relationships so i would notice certain patterns like being able to clearly discern and see this guy is not practical like in the long term this guy is only going to drag me backwards but I would focus on the romanticized aspect of him like oh he makes me laugh and you know he's kind of talented and he has the p-word potential <laughs> and I would spend so much I see we're all laughing because we know we're all guilty of doing yeah, that true. at some point nervous laughter <laughs> yeah and you know what I feel like that is really just patriarchy at work here because the way that women are taught to prioritize a man's potential we don't see that happening with men where mm. men are taught oh just just the potential you know she might not be that good looking now or she might not uh be the size eight with the small waist and the long legs and the like crazy 41 inch hips which doesn't even make sense if you actually look at that person in real life but that's how men apparently you know like to throw out their demands of what an ideal woman should look like men get to create this ideal woman and chase her and eventually find her even if he's mediocre but with women it's like Mm. the moment we say something like oh I like a tall man or I like a man who has a lot going for him then suddenly it becomes about aren't you you know like it's almost like you are supposed to be this person who just says I don't care what a man has I don't care what a man looks like all I need is all I need is his love and that's patriarchy at play because it allows men to arrive mediocre do you think, though, that by asking... So I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And I've, as somebody who has supported many potential men... Um, <laughs> many. Um, you know, I, I feel really strongly that we can't buy into potential, that you have to accept somebody at the point that they are when you meet them and mm. say, if this is how they are for the rest of time, could I be with them in this place? And I think that's really important. But I worry that we st- if we say to men, actually, we need you to step up. We need you to be earning them as much money as we are or more. We need you to be in the big job. We need you to be as much as we are. We also then give them permission to say, we need you to be a size eight with the long legs and the 41-inch hips. And well, who's that? Kind of well, like, well, who gives them that permission? Because it's so, still you making that choice to accommodate their opinion. Because we're still saying, okay, well, actually, there is... 
what we're both what we're asking for is perfection and because I kind of believe in equality I'm saying if I'm going to ask you for perfection you probably have a right to then ask me for perfection see that's the that's the part that I'm so fascinated by which is what compelled me to want to write this book because I've met so many women who think completely differently and for the most part I get what you're saying in terms of you know if you want someone to live up to all these things then to an extent you should also live up to it too yeah completely agree but then having said that as well it's like I still believe that even if there's a woman out there who maybe she's just like a part-time baker who loves to sell her cakes on whatever website you sell cakes on you know she's not doing too much but she does always you know say to herself if I am going to separate my time from my passion which is baking and I'm going to give that time to a man who wants access to me then here's what he's going to need to do to be in my life he's going to need to support my baking he's going to need to um, if he has some, if he's someone that has a lot of resources, I would want him to invest heavily in my future for me because anybody who loves me wants to see me win. Like that sort of thing, you don't have to. You don't have to already be the person who is in the position the man is in for you to want that. But also, it's like it's the least men could do in a world where men are the reason why we can't even go for a walk with our cute dog after eleven, which sucks. <laughs> but the point I'm making here is that with what the world looks like. I don't believe there's such thing as asking a man for too much, you're just asking the wrong man. So don't you have a thing as well where you won't date men that don't earn more money than you? Didn't you do <laughs> yes. something that caused a little bit of outrage, didn't it, on yeah, social I mean, media? People got outraged by it because, again, it's this idea about us prioritising our feminism in equality. And as much as equality matters... We've never been equal with men. So first of all, we don't have a point of reference. Our point of reference is imagination. And so when we're trying to imagine and feel equality with men, we end up doing that often by either compromising or being the one that's the breadwinner or being the person who kind of like makes up for his shortcomings. Mm. And you find eventually that you're still doing way more way more work than him. And that's something that I'm... I just... I, it's not a concept that... I enjoy too much. For me personally, I want to relax. I don't want to lift a finger to do anything outside of what is my passion, outside of what keeps me energised and creative. I don't particularly enjoy paying bills. I couldn't imagine bringing children into a world where I'm the one who has to do everything for them. I want a situation where I'm taken care of and women deserve to be able to say... I want to be taken care of by someone who has intentionally come into my life to love me. You're not going to come into my life out of nowhere and only love me with your words. I want you to love me with everything you have. Or you can go because I love myself with everything I have. Is it just about the money, though? So uh, if, likewise, um, you met a guy and he was passionate about something, uh, but it didn't pay a lot of money, but it was his passion and he was living his dream. So he was, let's say he's a teacher. And so he's living the dream, so he's never going to out-earn you. Is that still a, a strike through? He could be my friend. <laughs> like it doesn't make him. It's not about. Like it doesn't make him a bad person. That's the, that's the misconception. I think that's where the the outrage comes from. It's this idea that so you wouldn't date. Like it's like let's say um, I don't know a doctor for example because there are different types of doctors. There are doctors who don't earn that much and there are doctors yeah. who do. But let's say there's a doctor who doesn't earn that much and he happens to fall in love with me. Well, he can fall in love with the friendship because for me, again, I'm putting the practicality first here right. and it's controversial, quote unquote, because people aren't used to hearing women say, this is what I want. This is how it's going to work around here. And if it doesn't happen like that, then we're not moving forward because it's like everybody wants to talk about money and everybody wants to be all like 
you know, women should demand more and women should be able to be more bold about what they want until it's time to ask a man for money. And then this leads into the whole, you know, discussion I see on social media, which is very, like, communist heavy. You know, I see a lot of themes on the internet where people are saying, you know, the rich should redistribute their wealth and we're going to eat the rich and all these funny things I see. And the whole sentiment here is about redistributing wealth and evening it out but the irony here is that the biggest hoarders of wealth are still men so even if you are maybe a communist feminist or you're someone who does deep down believe that wealth should be evened out then it should start by still asking men for money or it should start by strategically (laughs) and wisely it's still yeah so it's like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be this thing where it's like i feel like a robot i don't feel like a genuine human being because i'm making sure that i'm only dating men within a particular tax bracket it's like I can see you're redistributing the wealth, aren't you? Honestly, and spend the money on your homegirls. Trying to get a a sense of what what for you is the ultimate relationship. And as soon as you say practicality, it's kind of like, okay, you're putting practicalities up front. There is a way that you want to live your life and there's zero tolerance. It's like, that's how I'm living. Yeah. Full stop. (laughs) So for me, an ultimate relationship is like, you know, our first date could be a a cute city. You know, like I'm talking... (laughs) On a private jet. (laughs) Oh, I'm not really... A, well, you know, we want to look after the environment, so we'll, we'll go on a boat point. instead. Good point. We'll get, we'll get okay. a yacht instead. Okay. <laughs> no, but all jokes aside, the point I'm making is that I would want to be with someone who doesn't just love me with their words. They love me with every possible way they show it. Because if someone cares about you, they want to see you in the best possible position. If someone cares about you, they will buy you gifts because they're thinking about you. It doesn't have to be this like rigid list of things you must do. It's like we buy gifts for our friends. Mm-hmm. We buy gifts for our sisters, our moms. And we don't think about it as like a sexual exchange. It's like, now that I've got you this gift, you have to give me your... It's like you just do it because you care about that person. And it's mm-hmm. the same in a relationship. Like it's normal. But for me, it's like... The point I'm making is that I'm not settling for anything that involves me being stressed out. There's no need because the world is stressful enough to exist in as a woman. So if a man's going to be in my life, he's here to love me and make my life easier. And a lot of the time, that ease in a capitalist society that we live in, that ease is through money because money brings you comfort, money brings you safety, money brings you mobility. And all those things lead you closer to freedom, which brings you happiness. Love this. We are going to keep talking to Jared. <laughs> so good. Uh, here on Badass Women's Hour XL, she's going to stay with us next. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. We are talking to Sherry Eggeru all about dating, standards, men, and body hair. So one of the things we were talking about before, we were saying if we ask men to turn up and hit this certain level, are we then saying it's okay for them to turn around and say, we need you no. to hit another level? No, no. I'm surprised we still listen to men, honestly. One <laughs> <laughs> of the areas for this, we were, we were having such a good discussion about it before the show, which is body hair. And your latest documentary on Channel 4 is all about women reclaiming their body hair. Yes. Tell us a little bit about it. So it's called Bring Back the Bush. Where did our pubic hair go? <laughs> um, <laughs> But even the words pubic hair make people laugh because it is a bit of a cringe word. But ultimately, the point of the film was to encourage people to question their own biases towards their own bodies. We all hold biases that come from somewhere else. And what's ironic about the methods we use to maintain or remove our body hair is that 
it actually came from Charles Darwin basically saying that if nature were working, if nature was working correctly, then men would be hairy and women would be hairless. So it all started really? with a man. Yes. And what it was his justification of that then? Science. Well, he just said it's science. <laughs> science. Yes. And this is the curse that comes <laughs> no with listening. No specific science. None. Just some. None. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, you know, again, as a society, we tend to defer to men. We tend mm-hmm. to, you know, turn to men as the all-knowing. Um, and Charles Darwin happened to be the one that created the idea that, you know, women who are hairy are operating outside of nature. And then another, um, this guy who is a psychologist and criminologist, he theorised somehow that women who were criminals happened to have body hair. So you can see the stigma that's being wow. created here. Again, it's all men. The, com- the, the denominator here is men creating <laughs> propaganda against women's bodies. And this is what happens when we listen to men too much. What has your relationship with your own body hair been like over the years? Chaotic. Mm-hmm. So I used to shave from early teenage- teenagehood through to when I was maybe like... Up until when I was making this film, basically. That was when I stopped for the challenge. And... I've had the worst reaction to razors. You know, when you have like a blunt razor, Mm -hmm. you get razor bumps, you just, it's horrible. Ingrown hairs, it just becomes something else. It's just terrible. And so for me, my relationship has been more complicated because of the texture of my hair too. It grows out thicker. It doesn't grow downwards like most scientific uh, illustrations of pubic hair on like a white woman. (laughs) So I'd also be dealing with like, texturism in my head where I think that the texture of the hair itself makes the hair look unclean it just this idea of uncleanliness and I'm glad that I made this film because it really did encourage me to release my own stigmas about this idea of cleanliness versus uncleanliness and how we we do unknowingly for the most part as human beings attach a person's morality to how clean we think they are so you can see how men create certain ideas to encourage women to continue to pander to them. But if men were held to the same standards that women are held to when it comes to body hair, think about how much they'll be whining and suffering and (laughs) moaning about having to shave their balls and, oh, poor you. Like, I'm having to literally, like, manoeuvre crevices and make sure I don't cut a labia off here. And even then I have to deal with the itchiness afterwards. And then that is also a very delicate area that's very thrush prone. So it's like I'm basically doing the equivalent to manoeuvring a crisscross of lasers <laughs> to be smooth and shiny. The least you could do is do the same. But then it's, just, it's, just, it's almost like a parallel conversation to the male contraceptive and like men being like, oh, is it going to give me a headache? There's no way I'm doing it. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're getting... Things from extensive depression, yeah, cancer, Mm. spotting, irregular periods, the whole lot. If if men had to do it, waxing would be a lot cheaper. What do you think? (laughs) I love this point, Jeremy, which is like we associate cleanliness with goodliness in a way. Yeah, I'm a I'm a sweaty Betty. Sweat. I I I could walk from here to the door and I'd be sweating. So for me, I'm a no hair anywhere girl because Have it you makes me paranoid. Par- yeah, so I laser. Ooh. Does that help you then? It, now d- that it you've does. The and so um, all of the things that you're talking about, I completely hear you. No ingrown hairs. I don't have to worry Ooh. about it. And it removes that thing in my head of I'm sweating, I'm going to smell. Yeah. I have underarm Botox as well to stop underarm sweating because I just ruin clothes. I've now realised I sweat on my nose. It's cute though. Oh, <laughs> Gives you like a dewy glow. You know the post-gym glow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly. Um... But so for me, it is a it's a thing. I in in meetings, if I'm wearing trousers, 
and I see a little bit of leg hair, I'm like, oh, hair, you didn't shave your legs. And it is because I just, and I'll sit there and I'll just touch it for the whole metering. If you find, you know, you find a hair on your chin. I do that all the time. I'll sit there and I'm like, oh, I need to pluck it. it. I need to pluck it. And as soon as I get home, it's the first thing. Yeah, and I'll think about it all day. So I am not a hair girl. I hear that though, and you don't have to be a hair girl. Yeah. The basis of the film is that we we should be able to sharp as we want to. In the yeah, same so it's way, it's not for a man. It re, it, re, it's, oh it's my gosh. for me. Oh, bye. Like, yeah. oh, I don't care what they need to to see or or not see. For me, I, I need I need it gone. Do you think we're going to be able to change men's perceptions around body hair? Because I hear you being like, it's not for men. But equally, if you're a young girl and you mm. are going to bed with a guy, and every time you get naked they're like whoa what's that because there are young men out there that literally have not seen pubic hair on a woman mm-hmm. and they just don't know it do, exists but do men do that though because exactly. I well, think most men women. I, no, well, I yeah, have never I been with a guy most men are just grateful that they are yeah. have the opportunity that yeah. they might be able to be naked with you yes. like they are not I, I've never ever had a guy comment and I Same. I'm well up for your bring back the bush campaign mainly because I've got a theory right <laughs> and my theory is we need the hair down there and I think women are having less quality orgasms if they're Ooh, like waxing everything off. <gasps> I've got a big theory. Expand. Well, because there's this whole thing. I remember we talked about in the show ages yeah. ago. I went to, I hadn't had my hair waxed for ages. I wasn't in a relationship and I was just like, I'm not really going to worry. But then when I did, I was like, oh, but what's the What's the style now that everybody has, right? Is it Brazilian still in? And the woman was like, oh, no, it's like Olaf. It's like a Hollywood. And I've had a Hollywood and it was horrendous when that grows through. Like, that is not fun. And I've made a decision. I have my own style now. And it is designed. I am happy for you. I have the sex and style. And I know if I have that wax, I have good orgasms. I am so happy for you. You found your groove. <laughs> Honestly, everyone... You need the hair yeah, for the, it's like, the, you know, the... It's part of the experience. Well, it's friction. Well, the thing is, if you think about how our hair works, <laughs> the, all jokes aside, though, your hair is actually attached to, like, nerve endings. So yeah. if someone pokes a hair, you can feel that movement. Yeah. So that adds to the sensual experience if all your hairs are partaking in the feelings of yeah. the... Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, like, you try and rub two bits of skin together and then you try and rub two bits of hairy skin together. Totally different thing. It is fundamentally Points are being made. It really, really, really is. What has been the reaction to the documentary? Oh, so, of course, I've had men who I would never look in their direction being like, don't worry, sweetie, I like your bush. Well done for making this film. It's like, oh, well... Thank you, Peter from Slough 62. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But what's been more important for me is the young women who have been messaging me saying that they're 14 and they have never seen anything like this on TV before. Mm. They never had a relationship with their mum where they could talk about this stage of being a woman. And that for me matters so much. But then what's been ironic is that I've had women who are um, from the 70s, like they were probably like 25 in the 70s and they're talking about how, you know, this was always in, don't listen to anyone who tells you the bush is wrong, the bush has always been yeah. the main way to survive and be beautiful and it's like so funny to hear mm. different age groups and the way that they respond to body hair so it's like ultimately this isn't like propaganda to make everyone grow their bush out but it's more just to say whatever state you choose to show up in and a man is in your presence he needs to shut up and be grateful for whatever is in front of him mm-hmm. he has no say and for ultimately and I'm saying this in the film as well it's like 
I'm surprised that we still listen to men when it comes to them dictating how we show up. They have no say. They don't. Is, is the hair, though, is that driven by pornography? I was watching a documentary the other week and it was about some porn stars, actually, but, like, some really famous ones in the 70s and they show clips of the pornography and the women there... Full bush. Yeah, full bush. Mm-hmm. They were really not the high groom that we see now. Yeah. And now the way that porn is, the way that Instagram is. And I just wonder if porn has played a really big role because for a woman, that might be the first time you see sex if you haven't had a sexual experience before. I think it's the evolution of porn. And so if we go back and think about porn in the 70s when there was hair yeah there was hair natural Natural boobs boobs. as soon as you move to the kind of plumped up boobs Mm, facial injections that's when it all changes so the Pamela Anderson Jenna Jameson era of porn that's when it changes Um, and so I do think we need to, to think about that but to Emma to your point no man has ever said there's too much bush or even acknowledged a hairy yeah, leg he dare dur- not. during yeah. the moment. And he moment. should be concentrating on, on other things like priorities. my pleasure, not <laughs> yeah. whether my bikini line yeah, looks like exactly. the Jackson 5 or not. So I think that's just, just something, if there is a girl out, out there, it's... Do you think we've yeah. internalised it rather than it being an external thing? I, I think you realise that no one cares. Yeah, yeah, no that's the point I want most women to be at. We care more, yeah. I think. Yeah, but yeah. that's the thing. Like, I'm telling you, whatever you give him, he should be grateful. Yeah. Whether it's one side is shaved, <laughs> one side isn't. Whether it's a little few ingrown hairs, that man should be grateful yeah. to pray at your altar. You give him whatever you tell him he's going to have today and he's going to be like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you dearly for this opportunity. That's how it should be. Oh, I love it. Uh, if you had one piece of wisdom from the book, How to Get Over a Boy, to pass on to some of our single listeners maybe male or female uh, for Valentine's Day what would it be what's the it one thing they should know would be that if you have newly separated from someone understand that no man is a loss they're just not a loss you're always going to be able to experience new sides of yourself mm-hmm. through new people for me what helps me and keeps me going is remembering that every man I meet who I might go on a date with or who I might talk to and then he might disappear or I might disappear. It's all an experience. It's all an opportunity for me to see myself from a different angle. So it's less about this guy having to be the one or this could have been my soulmate. Let go of that concept because it's it's working to your detriment, actually, if you hold on to the whole soulmate and this could be the one thing because it means that you will stay longer than you should in situations that are already dysfunctional. So if you have separated, congratulations because... <laughs> This has only opened up a new opportunity for new people to enter your life. And that's the best position to be in because now you have the power to decide what comes in and what doesn't. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, How to Get Over a Boy by Jared Egaru is out on the 6th of Feb. So uh, middle of next week. Yeah. Yes. Oh, middle of next week. Go get it. Beautiful cover. We like it a lot. Oh, thank you. Um, lots of really great advice in there. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. You can get in touch on all the socials on at Badass Women's Hour. We will be back after this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now, can you imagine growing up in a culture that just didn't accept you? Um, well, our next guest has actually created a whole play and concept around that idea. Emily Aboud is here and she is the writer and uh, writer and director thank you, yes. of new show Splintered at the Vault Festival. Hi, Emily. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us what um, Splintered is about. So Splintered is a play that is based on interviews with queer women from Trinidad and Tobago, where I grew up and where I'm from. And um, it's, it is a play, but it takes the form of a cabaret as well. So it challenges sort of classic forms of plays and challenges uh, colonialism and talks about sort of... Try, we're trying to find out how the Caribbean became such a homophobic place and trying to get to the root of it and trying all these different methods to figure it out. And it's very fun and it's very <laughs> dancey. And it's, it's hard to describe in conclusion. And what was it like growing up as a queer woman in that culture? Um, like, it was, it was a strange thing because I don't... I don't think I even realised until I came to uni here. Um, gosh, it, it, it's just one of those things that... The music can be really homophobic mm. and the music can also be quite misogynist and the culture in its own way is very inclusive and should be wonderful. But then there's just like this 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 pause when it just comes to treating women equally and treating queer people equally. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it's a complicated one. If you go to safe spaces, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. Um, but you just, you got to be careful. Also, like as somebody who's very white passing, I also have that, kind of privilege of not really facing like that kind of discrimination as well so it's just it's a very interesting culture because it is the most inclusive culture I find in the world much more inclusive no offense than living in London in my opinion but um we just kind of hit a hit a pause on on queer things and feminist things no. So, so there's so much there in in terms of it's very hitting, yeah, hitting a pause both on queer things and um, feminist things, and I agree with you in terms of, but on this in the same token, the most inclusive place. Yeah, it, it, yeah, we do try to tackle that initial. So, yeah, so how how do you reconcile the two? Because it's you know almost anything goes in some respects and then in others nothing well so we we talk about this a lot actually in the show because we use we talk about carnivals so much mm-hmm. right and trinidad it i think invented carnival or like the carnival oh we've gone <laughs> is, is there another caribbean person uh, jamaica um, no. so, okay. well i just mm-hmm. like in in my exclusive research and uh my thesis <laughs> uh i'm a player i just wrote um like the history the, well at least the history of trinidad carnival is 
about satirizing the oppressor. It is like, I mean, if you look into the, it's a very violent history of carnival. It's literally enslaved people, indentured laborers, all these people wanted to celebrate and join in and make a mockery of what oppressed them. And it kept getting banned. And no matter what, they kept coming true and kept dancing and singing. And they banned drums, so they invented the tambu bamboo. They, inv- they banned the tambu bamboo, so they invented the steel pan. And it was just all about sort of trying to see what's oppressing you and find a way to make fun of it. Mm. Um, so carnival is like the first thing I think about when it comes to trying to overcome oppression because joy is a rebellion in itself. Mm. So I, I think Splinter sort of tackles that and like Trinidad only had its first pride in 2018, mm. which is insanity. This is, we're in 2020 right now. Like why, why did that take so long? And you know, the, the, the pride celebrations in, in the Caribbean are so joyous and so uh, political and so... Ah, revolutionary mm-hmm. so i guess it's a tough one i i can't solve homophobia in the crib and i don't know how, how to how to fix it but i think where rebelling you, through joy is important you talked about investigating where it came from yeah where where do you think the origins are oh god come city play um <laughs> i think i mean the fact is is that the only uh caribbean countries where homosexuality is illegal were british under mm. british rules so mm-hmm. like evidently colonialism is in part to blame. Um, but then, you know, Catholicism, mm. Christianity, massive, massive things to blame. But it's also, it's difficult because you don't want to just, you can't paint it with one brush because Christianity has done wonderful things for the Caribbean. It teaches people how to how to think about morals. And I'm a very, very violent atheist, and I but I still don't want to just ban Christianity and say, I can't believe you all did this to us or whatever. So it's a combination of colonialism. It's a combination of already being an oppressed part of the world Mm. and i suppose god i don't know just trying to trying to stick to whatever logic you can and the weakest links are the ones who are going to suffer i guess it's very Uh, interesting across the caribbean where is is the lobby and advocacy to overturn uh it being illegal in the countries that that it is is it a strong is it a strong voice does it look likely or is politics at play and, you know, it would take a, a, a very a different sort of leader to make the first step? I think... It's still illegal in Jamaica, I think. I think I was saying... I, yeah. I don't know about... I don't know about... I think it's recently... I've, I honest, I'm really bad. I should know this about Jamaica. I only know about Trinidad. Sorry, everyone. Basically, people from the Caribbean only know about the, the country. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's a lot of history. It's a lot of history. Um... There's, I mean, I know of amazing activist groups in Trinidad who are doing fantastic work. Mm-hmm. Like Kaiso uh, is, a, is a group. I don't even know if they're listening, but big up Kaiso. Um, they do a lot of amazing philanthropy and activism and stuff. But it's it's really strange. The politics is the politicians very much kind of ignore that. They just mm-hmm. yeah, like we talk about yeah, we should we should not. Um, can I say rape? We shouldn't rape other women. We shouldn't we shouldn't oppress other women. We shouldn't oppress like it's just like a like a thought but they would never publicly say that right. it's more just like the crime's really bad which it is and we're going to solve the crime and it's just I don't know I, I never really hear I never really hear politicians speaking about feminism or uh, homophobia really but so that's so I guess part, having a play where you're talking about it openly yeah. is, is a big big part of that well it is if, in London so I don't really feel like I'm being yeah but word spreads right hopefully yeah we will see yeah I, 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 what word spreads and I, I think that has to be the hope the fact that people are talking about it regardless of where it happens in the world and I think if we take the vote in Ireland as an, as, yeah. as an example yeah. of it it's the small drumbeat things that over time 
I think, yeah. get people more comfortable with having the conversation and making the decisions that they should have made ages ago. Yeah. Could you see yourself taking this to the Caribbean? Mm. Uh, we talk about art in the play as well. Um, I think it's really interesting. So I wrote the play for, and this, I, I mean, wrote is a, is a, is a generous route. I did write it, but it was with lots of help and lots of workshops and lots of different cast members coming in and inputting things. It's been really great. Um, but the the play was written for a British audience. Right. And uh, if I took the play and just like, you know, like a USB and plugged it into Trinidad, the, I mean, the jokes wouldn't land in the same way. Like, because I'm spending a lot of time educating an audience about the history of carnival, but a Trinidad would be like, yeah, we know that already. Like, you know, so I suppose like the ideas behind it are really interesting. Um, but I don't know, taking it to Trinidad would mean, would mean a completely different play mm-hmm. and a kind of completely different thing to think about because this is more to educate the oppressor about uh, the oppressed, I guess, mm-hmm. or and just to shine a light on a culture that they probably don't understand or see at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the, the, I was just going to say, so that there are multiple levels there because you just said it's to educate the oppressor about the oppressed. So mm-hmm. it's educating an audience here about a country that ultimately has lived under under colonial rule for for a long time but then you're then talking about people that are being oppressed within that space yeah um and so there are there are lots of layers how do you then turn something with so many layers and so much complexity into something that's funny Gil, it's a, it's a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a struggle. I think so before that I mean almost before there was a play my goal was like I want to make a show that I wish I'd seen growing up mm. but also I just didn't want to see just I didn't want to make a show about queerness that was also like heavily based in the trauma of mm. having to come out and the trauma of being oppressed I was just like no like being being queer is a wonderful thing you it is it is a much more open it is a freeing thing it's not necessarily who you sleep with or how you identify it is just realizing that heteronormativity is a box and denying that Mm -hmm. so yeah before there was even a play I was like this has got to be something that is funny this has got to be something that is uplifting and like a a big sort of motto in my head writing it was if if someone's laughing they're listening Mm -hmm. so they're laughing they're listening so it's just you know I took a lot I'm a drag king as well so I took a lot of influence from drag performers and burlesque performers who use comedy and use satire to make a really important political statement, but it's, I mean, it's enjoyable. And then it's sort of at the end of the act, you're like, oh God, wow, I really learned something about uh, about Ireland, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, 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 it's heavy, it's heavy satire and a lot of like carnival, Caribbean, you know, sort of camp fun. And then you kind of just pull the rug under. I use pull the rug under in rehearsal a lot, just like pull the rug under from them, like get them into a sense yeah. of, of joy and be like, oh, think about this for a sec. Mm. But you, are you explaining... So you use carnival as quite a big narrative through big, the play. Big, big, are you yeah. explaining um, the elements of carnival that you were talking about earlier in terms of how that carnival was used as a way of joy to overcome oppressors? Because I'm sitting here in my white privilege going, I had no idea that that's where carnival came from. And now oh, yeah. I feel a little bit sad and a little bit ashamed that I've just thought carnival is this amazing, fun it thing. It is amazing and fun, yeah. Yeah, but not understanding that those, you know, steel drums where you go, oh, isn't that a great sound? It's come from... So I'm really interested to to understand more of that. Yeah, well... Yeah, the kind of carnival. Yeah, you should come see it. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you should. I'm um, coming. <laughs> we're all going. Um, it is on at the uh, the Valent Festival from the 12th to the 16th. At of the Fe- Vault. The Festival. Vault Festival. Sorry. 
typo. Uh, the Vault Festival uh, from the 12th to the 16th of February. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for coming and telling us all about it. it sounds great. Thanks so much. And for like having. a lot of fun. I think we will be there. A lot of fun and then a lot of thoughts <laughs> after, hopefully. Yes, exactly. Fun with a message. Uh, Emily Boo, writer and director of Splintered. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more Badass Guests and in-depth chat. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 